Hey everyone, welcome to the world's OKS Entrepreneur, the podcast for the OK Entrepreneur who doesn't have an MBA and it's just kind of figured out as they go. I'm Andrew Vomloff, and I'm here with my co-host, Larissa Loden, although I don't actually know if that's my name anymore because I just feel like I'm wearing 50 bazillion hats and I don't know who I am anymore, but that's neither here nor there. So but today on the podcast, we got to welcome Jess of e-commerce badassery. Jess is just a wealth of knowledge in this episode. It was such a surprise and delight, not only for just kind of how to run your business through email marketing, but honestly, all of her stories of the high highs and low lows. I had no idea about like so much of it, and it was such a fascinating episode. And so you should go listen to it right now because it's happening at this point. Yes, and on to the episode. I was booking this that tomorrow was Thanksgiving and that my world would probably be a little crazy, but... <laughs> we are. We all like agreed to this. It's yeah. probably maybe yeah. it's the best time that it's happening because man, we're living in it right now. I am sure. Yeah. I mean, I feel like well, you know from your previous like all of your experience that you're like, I know what has happening to all my retail friends right now. Yes, a hundred percent. And it's funny because you guys were just talking on an episode about your email inbox. Yeah. And it's my, here's the problem. My email inbox is filled with trash. It's yeah. all cold pitches for irrelevant stuff from random Gmail addresses for people who take no time to even see what I do. So here's the system I've come up with. Okay, I I'm ready. Cre yeah. I create this super low budget option here. I created a Google Doc. These are the reasons why people contact me. Find your answer. Do not follow up because that does not help you get attention. It actually makes me not want to answer you even more. Um, and on that, please keep my inbox empty of irrelevant pitches. And during peak times for product-based businesses, it will take me longer to get back to you. Yeah. Because every product-based business comes out of the woodwork. And I'm like, where have you been all year when I was telling you we should work on this stuff? So yeah, that's where I'm at. So do you just send that document to people? So what I'm going to do, I was like testing it out. And I have to figure out, because like you mentioned, Larissa, if it's if I'm getting an email from a newsletter, it's going to reply to every single one of those. And then I'm going to get a reply that says, yeah. this is a note, right? So I'm like, I need to figure out, and there's no good way to do that in G Suite. I think I'm just going to start as, this is my autoresponder to everyone. And it just is what it is. What it is. And then the replies, I can filter and auto-delete. Told you, really oh. low budget. Yeah. But I think that's what I'm going to do just to start because it's really driving me bananas. Yeah, I just have paralysis every time I look at it. It was so funny. I, like, I actually wrote this on LinkedIn and then a bunch of people um, like messaged me then. like I don't know how they found me. I was like, are you following me on LinkedIn? I don't understand. But it was kind of like a couple of them I was like, maybe you can actually manage my email inbox and solve my issues and everything. And it's just as like, because I just need somebody to come to me and be like, these, these are the top five emails I need you to focus on today. And that's it. Yeah. Like, I, I just need yeah. it served to me. I need like somebody that's done this before and be like, they understand like, this is a legit email. Like, because it's like funny, like I've tried to train other people before and they're like, this pitch sounds like it could be something really awesome. And I'm like, this is trash. Just don't even right. bother. <laughs> like, this is not... <laughs> <sighs> like this yeah. is not worth it. Yeah. yeah. And the thing that really the podcast pitches, that's what really gets me. One, most of them are irrelevant. But two, if you took two seconds to go to my website, you would see the form <laughs> for you to fill out. Yeah. Don't email me. I'm like, why is this so hard? I don't get it. I'm also just in a Larissa, did form. you fill out the form? <laughs> I um, think I reached out to her. Yeah, I reached out. I think, well, we booked you for this. And then you were like, you should be on my podcast too. And then I was like, okay. And then I went and filled out the form. So form. yeah. And then I was like, this is a really <laughs> nice form. And then I was like, I need to build this for this podcast. But I was like, right now I'm about to go into the Q crazy Q4. I got big, yeah. big, big dreams for Q1 for myself for this podcast. So yeah. Same. And right now Same. it's just kind of becoming what it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. So it's super fun to have you on our podcast. So like kind of you're one of our more first like service-based entrepreneurs, but it didn't always, it wasn't always like that. I know, Jess. No, so it wasn't. It wasn't. But I want to go back even before that because I actually don't know the answer to this. Like who was Jess as uh, young Jess? What was kid Jess like? Like if I ran into kid Jess, like where were you? What were you interested in? Yeah. That kind of stuff. I was mischievous which is probably not surprising if you know me at all. And I was also the girl who slept in her new shoes. I would not let my mother take them off. And I'm super Andrew's face right now. He's like, wait, what? (laughs) Uh (laughs) Well, in my brain... In my brain, I was imagining you as like a teenager adult, like sleeping in new white (laughs) shoes. And I was like... Single digits. I was thinking of kids. Yes. (laughs) Single digits. I'm super grateful that my mom like just indulged me in that. And so that really, when people ask me how I ended up where I am today, I truly believe that's where it started because I ended up going down the fashion and apparel route. And that makes perfect Mm -hmm. sense. And I'm still obsessed with shoes, but I was a troublemaker. I had a problem with authority. I am not surprised I ended up as an entrepreneur working for myself. This is, I think, my fourth, I think this is my fourth entrepreneurial venture, but I was not the kid with the lemonade stand. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't you that the, one. What were you the kid with? Uh, I don't know. I was the kid in detention. You're creating passes for ways for other kids to get out of detention. You're like, actually, if we all do this, this is how we're going to get out of this, you guys. Yeah. I was also, now this was my teenage years, but I was also the teenager who instead of, and I, we don't have to go into this whole story unless you really want to, but I, I always like to. I was the kid that instead of getting fully expelled from school, strictly for like basically not going to class. I was the kid who convinced the board to let me be homeschooled with a tutor after class. And Mr. G, I don't even remember his like actual last name, but he was this super adorable, cute old man. He was like a sub and stuff, but he was the detention guy. So after detention, he would come over. And it was this whole big thing, right? Because I'm this teenage girl. He's this very much like senior old man. So we had to get all this like special approval for him to be able to come to my apartment while my mom was at work to tutor me. Um, And I passed every single class because I actually did the work because it was Mm -hmm. fun. I think I was just really bored probably. I'm not really sure. Or I just... I don't know. I found joy in annoying other people, maybe. I mean, I think that's interesting, though, because like at school, A is boring, and then there's 8,000 distractions all at the same time, you know, and you've got to kind of like filter through that. Whereas it's like interesting to me because you were like, I love that you advocated for yourself and said, I want this. Like, you know, like you convinced the board, like, this is actually what's going to work for me. Like at such a young age, I don't feel like many young people are like, this is going to be what works for you, me, except for you and Andrew. Andrew has kind of a very similar, like, I'm going to take on the school board. Uh, <laughs> he did. Uh, mm, thing. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I think I have my mom to thank for that, really. You know, she was, it's funny, people, I also had a potty mouth as a teenager, shocker, right? Yeah. <laughs> and people, yeah, um, that lasted through adulthood. And she worked, she always worked in banks. She still does. So she was very well known in the community, which is also why she never wanted to work in the branch of the town that we lived because she had children Mm. like me and my brother. Um, But people would hear me talk with my sailor mouth and then they would go and tell my mom and she would be like, mind your business and then come home and yell at me. But always tell everyone else, like, mind your business. I think that's really interesting because I think that's like a through line between all of entrepreneurs. I almost wonder, is this like a little bit of level of defiance and entrepreneurialism? Because like entrepreneurism is all about like, don't tell me like to take this path because I'm just going to build it and do it myself. Like there is like a kind of like, watch me. <laughs> you tell me that I'm not going to do that. 
watch me. I'm going to do that. So, yes. Okay. Um, so after you were kind of in detention and telling people to watch me and everything like that, you said you made four businesses. So what was the first one? Yes. The first one was my brick and mortar boutique that I had in New York before I moved to California. And I had been, I went to school for fashion merchandising. I had worked in retail my whole life. I've folded so many graphic tees. Who remembers Delia's? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> walls and walls I of graphic remember tees. Delia's. I feel like Delia's is actually like is current modern day fashion. Like it's just like, it's completely like come back. 100%. Yes. I worked at Delia's when the Jesus is my homeboy t-shirt came out and parents were like up in arms and they're yelling at us behind the cash wrap. And I'm like, I didn't design this. Like don't buy it for your child. I don't know what you want me to do. Um, but so working in retail, going to school for fashion merchandising, getting my first job out of college in planning. So I was the assistant to the planner. It was a super old company. They'd been around so long. I was the youngest employee there. I had purple hair. People were like, I feel like you don't fit in here. I was like, I feel like I don't fit in here either. So I left and I just went back to retail. I'm like, let me just figure out what my life is going to be. And I got into the boutique circuit. And at the time, I literally had no idea that there were all these small boutique businesses. I must have been living under a rock. I'm not sure. And I <laughs> fell in love with it. And this was in 2008, housing market crashes, the owner of that business, not really great at managing money, closes the business. But now there's a space available. So mm -hmm. I have a brilliant idea to open up a brick and mortar apparel boutique in this empty space. During the housing crisis. Yes. To the, at the end of 2008. Yeah. So the thing is someone else had that idea too. And now we're bidding against each other for the space. It's in a shopping center. We share a wall with Starbucks by the end of it. I think ultimately we drove the price up on each other, which now <laughs> like we should have just opened the store together instead of bidding against each yeah. other. But I had a very loud voice in my life at the time. And he was also helping me with the financial piece of it. So I didn't have as much control to start, but we drove up the price. And I think the reason we ended up getting it is because we did pay a year of rent up front. But holy cow. Yeah. But the whole space was built out, right? Like everything was there because he had left it all behind. So it kind of all balanced out, I guess. But it was 10 grand a month for that space. Oh. In oh. 08? Yeah. Yeah. So you paid 120 grand up front. Yes. For something, for a boutique during the housing crisis. Yeah. Oh boy. But here's the thing. So how'd that go? It actually went really well. I did 650 grand in my first year. High fives. <laughs> do, do, do. But with a caveat, because when I tell people this story, and Larissa, you very much know this about me, is I share the real real all the time. Like, yes, huge yeah. accomplishment. I'm not diminishing that. But also, it was a market I already worked in. I had a client book of people that I could call up and say, hey, I'm you know starting this store your network is your net worth, right? As they say, but it's free yeah. and true. So, you know, not to mm -hmm. diminish the hard work, but I definitely had a leg up for sure. And then I just decided, man, I don't want to even live in New York anymore. I'm sick of winter. And I just, that store was so tied up because it was technically a family business. It was just so tied up in this chapter that the way to release it was to just close it and move on. Like there was no, can I sell this? Can I do any of that? No, I just want out. So I took the money I had left over, can't like didn't renew my lease in my apartment, moved to California with three months of living expenses and was like, all right, what's next? And I knew I wasn't going to do another brick and mortar ever. But I went back to retail because I could do that job in my freaking sleep. And mm -hmm. then it was 2013, 2014, something like that. I really wanted to try my hand at the online business thing. So that was my second business, first online attempt. And it was fashion styling because that's what I did and what I loved. 
But then I realized once it became like the job and I had to show up on video and I had to in the black hole of the internet universe, try and get attention. It's like, wow, this is not joyful. I take terrible pictures. I'm not going to be a fashion blogger, air quotes over here. So I don't think this is it. This is not it. And I was doing it on the side. So I just kept working my job, all of that. Then I started a subscription box, which this is really funny. So I decide I'm going to start this subscription box. I get the branding done. I'm doing all the things. I was planning that business for so long. I'm just like embarrassed to say probably a year. Still wasn't live planning, doing all the things. But I'm on Instagram posting, trying to get some pre-launch stuff in there. And someone reaches out to me and says, hey, I'm starting a subscription box too. We had a very similar um, style, right? Super edgy, Mm -hmm. all of that. I would love to get together and chat with you. And she was going home goods. I was going lifestyle. So I'm like, sure. Okay. She's in LA. We meet up. She happens to be an actor. And at first I thought I was getting catfished. I'm like, this is not real. Like I knew exactly (laughs) who she was, had watched her show years ago, all that stuff, but it really was her. I was like, holy shit. And by the end of that conversation, we were like, why don't we just do it together? This is perfect. I don't want to be the face. I'm literally a nobody. I had already started reaching out to brands to get product. They didn't even answer my email. But here's someone who already has Mm. online clout, right? This is beautiful. She can be the face. I'll do all this stuff in the background. It'll be great. So the amazing thing is... Something I spent a year on by myself, we literally launched in like 30 days from when we decided we were going to do it. We had the majority of our product, like brands already said, yes, the website was up, build an email list. It was amazing. But here's two things that we learned is one, there are subscription box people and there are non-subscription box people. And even though the majority of her people loved everything about her style, about the home stuff, all Mm -hmm. of that. And they were super into it. As soon as you attach the word subscription to it, they were like, "Mm, I don't know. And we ended up getting the majority of our first subscribers from just a subscription box website. Oh, interesting. So yeah, some of her people signed up, but it wasn't the it was nice that we had her as the face because I didn't have to do it and because it got the products yeah. to work with us, right? Um, but it didn't help us that much in the sales piece of it. And then she ended up getting pregnant with her first child and we had success. We sold out our initial 75 boxes. It was great, but it was like, well, you're about to have your first kid. This is our side gig. It's not quite taken off the way we hoped, this is way harder than we thought and not nearly as much fun. No, I think that's so interesting. <laughs> I think what you said is so true is that there's subscription box people and there's not subscription box people because I'm in the not category. Like I could love mm-hmm. every single thing about you, but like I want to uh, choose my own destiny at the end of the day. So yeah, totally. I also like, do you feel like subscription boxes are still a thing? I feel if you were already established as a subscription box, then yes. Do I, would I recommend someone go out and create one from scratch right now? That's just a lifestyle mishmash of stuff. Absolutely not. I think build your simple product-based business and attach a subscription to that for the people who like that. The one that I think actually works is BarkBox. Yeah. For sure. Because dogs chew toys up and they eat all the treats inside. I was like thinking about it recently. I was like, this actually works. But the other ones, I I tried some out for a while because we were supplying a lot of subscription box companies. And I was like, I don't want this every month. I don't need random stuff being sent to me. Yeah. Because who needs more stuff? I'm trying to get rid of stuff. Right. You know? 100%. I make my husband's family. So he's one of three. He has two sisters. They're both in their 30s. And when I first came into the family, like they share Christmas lists. And I was like, we are grown adults. Why are we sharing Christmas lists? And I was like, then I started getting all the gifts because they're not 
It's a huge, like average Sunday is 16 people. It's a huge family, very unlike oh, what wow. I have. And yeah. they all buy for everybody. It's not secret Santa. So you're just getting all, and I'm like, oh, Christmas list, greatest thing ever. Greatest thing ever. So now I make one too. Um, but because I just don't need more stuff. I really don't. So what happened after the subscription box company? Yeah. So at that point, I was still working my previous day job, the one that you know very well, where I used to sling dildos on the internet. Yeah. So that was happening in tandem with the subscription box company? Yes. You just really love burning the candle at both ends consistently. Well, here's the thing. Like, I'm grown. I got bills. I can't just stop one thing to start another you know, if I were in my 20s, I'd been like, eh, whatever, it's fine. I'll just go get another job. But by that point, it was a very different experience. And especially in LA, like the job market here is just, it's hard everywhere, but I feel like it's extra hard here. And mm -hmm. there's a little bit of stigma when you come from slinging dildos on the internet, you know, of who's willing to hire you. <laughs> I heard it from many of people who left that company while I was there and all the struggle they found. So it was just smarter to stay. And because she was an actor and had a very different schedule, she would like swing by the office on my lunch and we would, you know, get some stuff done together. And she didn't live all that far from me either. So it was kind of easy to do that stuff. But yes, definitely. I... A lot of people will say leap and the net will appear. And I'm just too old and financially conservative for that. <laughs> I need to build the net first. I mean, I think that's the very re reality of like entrepreneurism though, is that so many people in their 20s, there is no true risk. Like honestly, like you have mm -hmm. nothing to lose, like truly nothing. Yeah. Like what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to end up on your mom's couch. Guess what? You probably already were sleeping on your mom's couch. So it's just like, you know. Yeah. And then once you start to 100%. have a couple of things, then you're like, okay, the worst that could happen is this, which does suck. You can get past it, you know, but it is like the stakes are raised a little bit more. So I'm curious because you said, like you were, you had the online stylist business, which, you know, you started kind of like earning like your e-commerce chops then a little bit during that time. And then was it then after that styling business that you went to this, then as we call it the dildo company? Yeah. So my e-commerce chops started actually even before that with this other okay. little stint that I did where I was, when I was pursuing the styling thing here in LA and working at a style house and helping them build out their e-com stuff. Um, so that's really kind of where it started. There was another little blip in there with a boutique business where I was running their e-commerce stuff, but it was really the dildo company as we will refer to it, where mm -hmm. I went all in on e-com. So when I started there, they were a brick and mortar business. They had 13 store locations across the US and everything they did marketing wise was super localized. It was a lot of billboard, print, radio, which those still those things still work if you are an in-person local business. Um, they mm -hmm. worked like gangbusters actually. So at the time, their e-commerce business was this white label site where you send traffic to it, which we didn't bother to do, but you could, and then you would earn a commission. And the retail director at the time, my boss was like, we're going to bring this all back in house. Like it's time. So I think I'd been working there for about a year and a half. And he, we had talked so much about it. It was always like, when we do this, this is where you're going to go. Because I was much more interested in the digital side of things, mostly because when I was going to school, digital wasn't a thing. I didn't get to learn, not that you learned crap in school, honestly, but I didn't get to learn any of it. And I didn't want to get left behind. Even when I had my brick and mortar, like we had a Facebook page, but it wasn't really a thing. So I had learned a lot on my own, but I was like, how nice can I get like trained, learn and get paid while doing it instead of having to pay <laughs> to do it. So I was... The first three years of the e-com business, I was the only employee. I cried so much at that job. Oh my God. But I wouldn't take any of it back because I learned 
so much. And so when I talk to entrepreneurs now through e-commerce badassery, I'm like, look, when you are wearing all of the hats and you are like crying in the corner because you're like, how am I going to do this all? I actually know what that feels like because I was that person, even though it wasn't my business. You know, I was the girl running to Staples on Black Friday to get bubble wrap because we ran out like don't do that. If yeah, so, so stressful. But because we had the retail division funding the e-com division, we got to work with 10, 20 K month consultants. And I got to learn things that people are not just willy nilly teaching on the internet. Um, and while I absolutely loved what I did, I just didn't really love who I did it for. And that's what ultimately slowly got me out on my own. Mm -hmm. So I think that's so interesting. And like, I remember, cause we've actually worked before previously and you said something that I just like didn't realize at the time. Cause you were like, I have to know how to do email really, really well because we will never be able to do paid media at that employer because it is a dildo yep. company. You can't sell any kind of sex objects through any kind of paid media that is like, yeah. a, it's a violation. I bet TikTok actually might let you know. TikTok is like the wild west a little bit. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so much of it too depends on the brand. I'm not going to mention the brand. I try never to because I talk so much yeah. about them on the internet, but there was, they were very well known and, very disliked by a lot of people. So, you know, I think if you're like, a, like Larissa, I know you have some massagery things, right? Don't you? Mm -hmm. You could probably yeah. get away with it because your brand as a whole has a very different perception on the internet than ours did. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes those things just kind of lie under the radar. <laughs> but yeah, like email was, that's how we made our money online. And that's what forced me to learn and get good at it. So what was the yeah. email like before you took it over? And what was it like when you like, I mean, I'm guessing it was like a transition was like a ramp because did you know anything about email really before you kind of took it over? Yeah, I knew a little bit because I had worked at these other smaller companies, but this was the first time that I was dealing with a list of 150, 200,000 subscribers and wow. they're getting fed in from all of our different store locations and we're expanding our store location. So we're getting more and trying to figure out how do we, especially in that business, because the brick and mortar is where the money was coming from, right? Mm -hmm. We weren't making a ton of money online. Like, yeah, we were doing million and a half, something like that online, but so much was getting reinvested or we're hiring on, you know, or I'm trying to convince them to hire on more people so I could do less work or we're doing these big integrations. So it was all getting reinvested. So it was really retail that was making all the money. So it's like, you know, they're looking at me. I had a lot of report cards was email results overall, but also e-com specific results, but not cannibalizing the retail results. So mm -hmm. it was, it was just really freaking stressful. Um, and that's where I really had to, you know, sending the newsletter every week and all like that just wasn't enough, right? It was really getting in a lot deeper with automation and segmentation because before that, all we were doing was telling them, Hey, here's what's in the store. See you in the store. Like we weren't sending them to the, a website or anything like that. And prior to starting the e-commerce, my there was two of us in the marketing team and we did convince the uppers like we need some kind of website like we can't just keep sending them to our facebook location pages yeah so we had set up a lifestyle-y website but you couldn't buy anything on it uh, so i feel like i went through probably four generations of that business in the seven years that i was there <laughs> Yeah, it was crazy. Um, but it was, you know, like I said, the best learning experience yeah. ever. And where I really fell in love with learned the power of email marketing. I feel like some of the best life lessons we have in business are from places that you wouldn't really expect. Oh, yeah. Things you don't want to do too sometimes. Right. I think it's because you start to do the dot to dot connection of it. Like we were talking about this actually earlier this morning. I listened to this like YouTube podcast that I love so much, but it actually is because I do so many dot to dot correlations between like the two different worlds a lot. And I'm like, this is so interesting. 
and I can apply this to my business here, or I see the similarities here. I think it's because it actually brings it back to like that first principles thinking so much of being like, this is just like baseline, like business at the end of the day, you know, like it doesn't really matter what is the end thing that you're selling. Like the core functions of business are just like, they're just tenants. Like these are good practices you should do. You know, there's tons of tactics, but like email marketing, it's, um, I love this concept too. It's like, that's your only owned audience, honestly, at the end of the day, like, because everything on social media is this like least audience. You don't own it. You know, it's just like, it could be there. It could be gone, but like your email list, you own that. And that is like your most powerful tool. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think, you know, there's, I think jury's still out on whether shadow banning is really a thing and Instagram will say it's not. And other people swear by it. And after seeing at that previous job, you know, were we shadow banned? No. Were we suppressed? Maybe. Yeah. Were we just not given the reach? Probably because they didn't want our content on their platform because it was suggestive and sexy and all of that. I mean, it wasn't vulgar. Well, is my judgment of vulgar a little skewed after working there for seven years? Maybe. <laughs> but you know, we were really careful and intentional about the kind of content that we created and we just didn't get the reach there. So having all of those platforms is great. You know, is it the end all be all of business? No. Is email the end all be all of business? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I was about to expect you to say like, well, no. And then you're like, no, actually I'm doubling down on this. Um, so I'm very curious, like what was the point where you were like kind of all of a sudden like this, like e-commerce badassery, this is what I actually really want to do. Like this is what I want to build. Was there like a point where you were like, you had this epiphany moment or was it, tell me more. It was completely by accident. <laughs> so do you remember when MailChimp and Shopify broke up? Yes. Oh, yeah, that was a thing. Oh, yeah, it was a thing. So at that point, I had been using Clavio for a couple of years at my previous day job, which we went through multiple email platform iterations there. And I had been hanging out in all of these entrepreneurial groups. And part of that, too, was because there was like a little overlap from when I was doing the subscription box thing. Right. And I was just still there because I just loved the energy. And I knew I knew I wanted a business. I just always assumed it was going to be another product based business. Mm -hmm. There was just nothing I was interested in selling. And I figured oh, it'll come to me eventually. Never did I think in a million years I had information people would pay me to learn. Like, I just didn't think that. So MailChimp and Shopify break up. Everyone in the entrepreneurial groups are like freaking out. <laughs> so I just randomly, I'm like, hey, have you guys heard of this platform? I've been using it at my previous day job. It's like really great, way easier to use than MailChimp because we've all used MailChimp. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so I was very familiar with it and it's horrific. And all of a sudden... <laughs> people started DMing me. So I had two initial people that reached out. One of them, she was like, I'm on Clavio and I'm in spam. All of my emails are going to spam. Can you help me? And the other one was just like, I'm on Clavio and I've been trying to get my automation set up. And I'm really struggling. Can you help me? I was like, okay, sure. So the first one in spam, I've I spend all my email marketing years staying out of the spam box. Like I've never actually gotten them out. So I wasn't even sure if I could help her. So I just messaged her back and I said, look, I've never actually done this before. I have a strategy in mind, but I'm not going to charge you because I literally don't know what's going to happen. If it goes well, will you provide me with a testimonial? She was like, sure, great. And in... I think it was like four-ish weeks, she was back in the inbox. And I was like, oh shit, that worked. <laughs> this is amazing. And then the other one, I ended up putting this package to, and I was still using my personal Gmail. Like I still have access to her Clavio and it is with my personal Gmail. Um, and then I set up this other person's automations. And then she told someone, 
who told someone who told someone and it all just snowballed from there. I think that's how you found me, right? Larissa, somebody told you about me. Um, it was mutual friend, um, the Willie Thistle. And she was yes. like, I have this podcast. And then she knows how much I swear. And then she was like, <laughs> feel like you two are kindred spirits here. So yeah. <laughs> and then also like, yeah. We'll get into it. But yeah, before then, I was uh, very much so. Yeah, I was an email baby. I was so events based. I was like, I make money by being in person because yeah. I love hard manual labor, and no efficiencies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so the Wooly Thistle found me from that first person who messaged me. So that was the trail <laughs> and how it all happened. And I still like it wasn't 100 percent clicking in my brain that this could be a business. And I actually really hate to admit this, but it was my husband's idea. So I would go to work all day and this, you know, that job, like I was a really important cog in that wheel and people were always paying attention to what I was doing, always asking me questions because I was there the longest, right? Mm -hmm. Which is why I always tell people, if you have a team, don't answer them. They will figure it out. But if they think that they have immediate access to you, they will ask you everything uh, for no reason at all. But so I would be exhausted by the time I got home. And then I'd come home and work on this stuff for these clients. And my husband, Mike, is like, aren't you tired and like burnt out. And I was like, no, I am re-energized when I come home and do this because I love it so much. And it's helping someone who I just believe deserves it more Mm -hmm. than the people who sign my paychecks at my day job, you know? So it was actually reinvigorating. And he was like, so are you going to start a business? And I was like, I think I, oh, I could probably turn this into a business. So thank you, husband, for pointing out the very obvious thing that for whatever reason, I had such a mental block about. And that's really how it started. I did it on the side for about 18 months total. I was getting ready. We were, because my husband's an entrepreneur too. So I'm the one with the affordable health insurance. I'm Mm -hmm. the one with the 401k, right? Like I'm the one with all of that, fake security. And we're old and we have bills and all of this stuff. So I'm also because I grew up with not a lot of money. I had a single mother, all that. I am petrified of being poor, like Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. petrified of being poor. I feel you on that. So I, we were planning my exit at the beginning of 2020. And then the pandemic happened. And the real estate market in California grinded to a halt. And my husband does real estate media. We were like, oh, now is probably not a good time for me to quit my job. Let's just hang on a little bit longer. And then in my day job, all of our stores were closed or they would open for a week and then close. And it was at that point, probably 25 different markets with 25 different rules. They had furloughed the majority of the retail staff. So e-com, by this point, we had some other employees. E-com was picking up the slack. And I literally, this is kind of disgusting now, but I would wake up and mind you, me and my husband lived in a two bedroom apartment. He also was home, but you know, him and his business partner would be like having conversations. We had an office, but like I just worked in the bedroom because it was easier for us to not be talking over each other all the time. I would wake up, pick my laptop up off the floor and start working from bed because work was so crazy. I was just grateful to still have a freaking job at that point. You know, Um, luckily, then real estate market opened up. There was a mass exodus of Southern California. My husband and his business partner had like their best year ever, actually, (laughs) during that time. And then by September of 2020, it was like I was at this point of I can't make more in my business because I can't serve more people because I don't have time. And it one of them just had to go. And so At the time, we were working on this huge integration at work, and I was the lead of that, keeping everyone, like all the different partners and the developers and everything. Like I was the point of contact. 
And I'd worked with my boss for so long and he's such a wonderful human being. I had such a great time working for him actually. And I really, I did not want to leave him high and dry. So initially I was going to go in and say, I'll stay until this is done. And then I was like, I don't know, wait, <laughs> no, 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 I'm leaving, but I will stay on as a consultant to finish up this project, <laughs> which took an additional year after that to finally finish. So that was the very rocky roundabout um, transition out. And it's been amazing. So good. I love it. I had no idea about any of this, like your transition out. I thought it was, I, I told myself a very different story than what the reality <laughs> of it was. I mean, because kind of you were doing like the two jobs then simultaneously then for like almost three years, like two and a half. Technically, yes. By the time I went to the consultant role, like my last, my last two weeks, my notice, I think I maybe gave him a little bit more than that. I don't really remember, yeah. but I spent the majority of that time documenting everything, right? Because there were so many systems and so much stuff that it was really just in my brain. So I documented everything for them. And then after that first initial transition period, those first couple of weeks after that, it was just, you know, a weekly call here or there. So it wasn't that hard. And because I was on an hourly invoicing rate. And so if anyone needed me, they had to go through him to get approval to use the time, um, which, you know, if there's a way to implement that with your own team, not that they obviously have to pay you, but like, if you can plant that seed, they'll be much more likely to try and figure it out on their own first. <laughs> I'm trying to think about that. I'm like, I'm like, how am I going to do it? Like, I'm like, yeah. I'm not going to be like, I'm going to dock your pay for every time. That you yeah, no, you don't want to do it like that. <laughs> That's what my brain when I was, like, I was like, I don't think that quite works. <laughs> no, you just, what can you do to encourage them to spend totally. seven minutes trying to figure it out on their own? They have all the answers. They're just like, oh, it's way easier for me to just ask, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, one thing we've really tried to f do here, which um, only in like the past week with BFCM madness is making it quite hard, but we would go on deep focus blocks on Slack and we would just turn Slack off because it is like, if people have access yeah. to you all the time and you respond, like you only train people to get back what you're giving them, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah it's very, very much so a real reality of it. Um, So I have... I'm kind of curious on a couple of things. So one question that um, I'm very curious about, because I feel like a lot of people that are probably listening to this, and I'm sure you encounter this a lot, is people that are like, well, I don't want to spam people, so I'm only going to send one email a month. Like, what do you tell those people when <laughs> like, they come to you and they're like, I'm, I'm just trying to help people out and I don't want to email them? Yeah. So there's two things that I will kind of lead with. And sometimes it depends on who the person is and if I can detect what their particular block is. But I've been telling this story a lot recently. So when I was at that previous day job and doing the email, and that was only one of my 15 jobs, by the way, but email was the thing I was like really graded on. And of course, as no offense, Andrew, but as a female in a corporate company, like no one believes anything I say, right? So frustrating. And at one point they brought in this email consultant, which surprisingly was also female, but you know, she was labeled as a consultant who worked for herself. So what she had to say was more powerful than what I had to say, even though I was the one there in the day to day. Anyway, so she made this statement that stuck with me it's, I liken it to the things our parents say to us when we're young that screw us up for the rest of our life. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Love you, mom. Um, but she said, every email you send is an opportunity for them to unsubscribe, which just put the fear, right? And I was like, oh my God, it is. I need to be so careful. And I ran with that. And I've probably even said that on the e-commerce badassery podcast. Larissa, if you ever heard me say that, or if anyone here listening has heard me say that, screw that, ignore that. <laughs> because the data says 99% of the time, more email equals more money. 
And there's two things, two ways to think about this is one, as long as you are sending good, helpful, relatable, enjoyable, educational, happy, whatever content, Mm -hmm. it is a freaking privilege for them to be on your email list. And if they don't want to be there, sayonara, don't let the door hit you in the butt on the way out. Also, unsubscribe, save you money. There's that financial piece of it too. But the other thing is someone is out there looking for the exact product that you sell. And if you don't show up and shout it from the rooftops and let them know that you have it, you are doing them a disservice and they're going to end up finding it somewhere else. And there's a lot of different ways we can kind of put those same two messages, but ultimately, and I'm reminded of this in my business all the time. Repetition is your friend. Nobody is paying mm-hmm. that close attention to you because you are just not that important to them. <laughs> so- they have families and businesses and jobs and their washer just broke and is leaking all over the floor. Like there's just because your competition is not just the other people that sell your product. It's literally everything else in their life, right? It's the billboard they drive by every day, the notifications on their phone. And so you have to be comfortable just selling your product all the time. And I don't know, people have been saying emails dead for like the last (laughs) 10 years and it ain't dead. (laughs) Just like brick and mortar is not going to die either. Yeah. So I think most of the time we're just getting in our own way and uh you gotta just send the damn email yeah yeah that makes so much sense because (laughs) that makes so much sense because so oftentimes i will see all these emails and i'll just skim through them like go like i won't even look at them i'll just go through and i'll hit like delete 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 but i will never unsubscribe from emails i'll just like see the title and just be like it's another ad i'm not wanting that ad but like when i do click on something i click on it and i'll follow it to the website and go from there but un- getting me to unsubscribe is actually super hard. Yeah, it's mind share too, right? It's it's staying mm-hmm. top of mind with those people. I mean, I have companies that email me literally every day. Like, I, There's a shoe company, emails every day. I am not buying shoes every single day, even though I would love to because I'm obsessed with shoes, but that would be ridiculous because I work from home and I'm barefoot right now. <laughs> but when I need a pair of shoes... I go to them first. Yeah, because they're top of mind. I mean, I think that's the thing is like, I've been recently like, I mean, right now is like BFCM. So you're getting emails like all of the time. And I was like, oh, I need to place this order like for my Mm -hmm. like kids clothing brand. And, you know, they like email me like probably like two times a day or whatever. And I'm just like, I haven't gotten to it yet. But like they email me and I'm like, right. It's almost like a to-do list reminder. And it is. It's like if you're showing up that they are just so much more likely to convert. Versus if you just show up once, like you're just not going to get it. Yeah. Like they're just, people are going to be like, I forgot about you, you know, and you're going to, yeah. I, I think it's like, cause we were on that side before I was like, Oh, I don't want to like, that was like my pitch to get people to sign up for my emails was I was like, I just don't email you that often. So you should sign <laughs> up. And I like, is that really like, instead of yeah. like the alternate stories, like now I say like, we make really good fucking emails with hilarious gift at the bottom, you know? And that's why you should sign up. It's a way more powerful yes. standpoint to come with your email. And like the truth of the fact is, is we come with you, but we do try to make like really good emails. Um, Like we care so much about them. And the proof is in the pudding of like yeah. what you can generate from emails. Like it's just is there. Like what I look at what we made when we're yeah. sending one email versus yeah. like what we make now. I'm like, huh, okay. Yeah. It's kind of, ma- you know, and it's so funny, like, and this here's a really good example from my own business, right? I started e-commerce badassery teaching people about email. Now that has expanded because what I quickly realized was like, they also don't know how to get traffic. So let me help them do that, right? Because you can have the best emails ever, but if you don't have a list, uh, it's not really going to do anything for you. So I teach a lot more holistically now, but I still, people who have been with me from day one of doing this business are hesitating to send email. And I'm like still coaching them through that. And then they send the email and then they message, like they'll DM me on Instagram. They're like, I sent you an email today and I made money. And I'm like, oh, isn't that amazing? 
how that works, you know? But like, even in my own business, so like I sell digital products and stuff like that. And I, I did intentionally take a couple of months yeah. off of Instagram because I was just like so done with it. But I recently started posting again because again, I have things e-commerce business owners are looking for. If I don't show up to tell them they exist, right? I'm doing them a disservice. So I'm like, I'm going to show up. I have these holiday product, digital products that can help them create their campaigns. Let me show up. And I go all in. I set up the many chat so they can comment and it'll auto send them a link, right? To go check it out. And guess what happened, guys? I posted about the product. I said, comment this to get the link. They did. And then they bought the product. Like, I'm blown. You know? mind blown. So like, we just need to, no one else is going to sell our products for us. Even if you're paying them, they're still not going to do it as good as you can do it. And so we have to just keep showing up and telling people what we have. Like when you look at the big businesses, they have no shame telling you what they sell and how it can help you. Do you feel like taking the break from social media actually made you come back with more like, were you more like invigorated and like kind of excited to post on the platform again? Yes, 100%. And here's what's really funny. Instagram, the algorithm was like, oh, she's back. We got to let people know because I got more reach on those first And even now still, I think I've posted, I think it's been about a month where I've been consistently posting and it kind of re-jigged the algorithm. Oh, what's the word I'm mm -hmm. looking for? Oh, like jump-started, you know? Um, And so, and it wasn't a, hey guys, I've been gone for a while, here's why. It was just like, no, here's this really great content that you need to see right now. And people were all in on it. But yes, it did... It took away the feeling of should Mm -hmm. or have to, and it became a, I want to do this because I want to make sure that I'm getting this content in front of the people who need to see it. And it just kind of changed the perception for myself there a little bit. I think that's like the most like important thing that I've really been reflecting on is like, if you're not enjoying the content creation, then just don't do it and give yourself a break from it because Mm -hmm. then I think it's very valid to it can just feel like this rat race and you're just like, oh, I'm doing all of the things that everybody says, but specifically with content creation, um, it's like I will say it from the rooftops, the trending audio is not the thing that is going to be the crack the code moment for your business. Like, let me tell you, (laughs) if I could literally, like, I'm not going to be a troll because I don't like trolls in general, but a part of me, whenever I see like one of these, like, try this tactic and just this trending audio and your whole business is going to thrive, kids. It's like, it's not. No, it's not. That is not the thing that does it. Yeah. So, no. No. And I remember when you were on the e-commerce badassery podcast, we kind of went down a rabbit hole in this conversation. The the people that the trending audio works for are the people sharing the trending audio. The the people that say like, save this audio for trending. (laughs) That's the only people it works for. So let's be very clear here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. So how yeah. do you kind of approach it more holistically now within your business? Like when you're kind of like coaching like clients through in the process, like, you know, a lot of our people that listen are kind of more in that like beginning phase of their entrepreneurial journey. Like, are there certain things that you're like, oh, like, let's make sure these things are set up for you? Yeah. Email for sure. And I know at first, like you feel, oh, I'm going to spend this time creating this these automations that no one is going to go through and see, and they're not going to make you any money at first. Um, but they are the catch-all, the net for literally everything else you're going to do afterwards. And if you don't have that net there, you're basically pouring water into a leaky bucket and we don't want to do that. So definitely get the emails, automation stuff, and they don't have to be great. Like use the templates that come in your email service provider. And if they don't have those, you're on the wrong email marketing platform because it's not e-commerce specific. (laughs) So get those set up at a minimum. And then the first question I always ask people is, do you have more time or do you have more money? Mm. You can do this for not a lot of money, but it's going to be slow AF. So just be ready for that. 
if you have some money to invest, whether it's from a day job that you're still working or I don't know, you just got some money saved up, like just pay, mm -hmm. pay to play. Um, you know, Larissa, like that has really changed the game yep. for you. And I used to not push that as much. If you would ask me a couple of years ago, I'd be like, do an organic, make sure you can prove product market fit, but it's too slow. Mm -hmm. Like it's just too slow. It's going to take you forever to figure out if you have product yeah. market fit. Um, and now that I've been hanging out with some ad people, cause you know, I didn't get to learn ads at my previous day job. And so I had all the same preconceived notions about them. I don't have those anymore. So pay if you can. And if you can't, but you don't want to wait organically, you need to start making connections with other small business mm -hmm. owners. So you're saying to pay an ads company then? Not an ads company. Do ads. Yeah. Learn them. Buy a course. Work with a coach. Like you don't have yeah. to go out and get a you know couple thousand dollar a month agency. You can absolutely get started for not a lot of money just to get some freaking data mm -hmm. because you are going to learn in three months what's going to take you six to nine months otherwise, or even longer. It's just, here's the thing. There is this misconception that social media is free. Social media is not free. It's time, creative energy, like the time it takes you to post every day and engage with people and do all of that. You could just like put that money toward ads and get your answers way freaking faster. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was uh, something that I heard that I really loved was like first time entrepreneurs focus on products. Second time entrepreneurs focus on distribution. And I was like, it is the one thing that I was like, <laughs> honestly, your product, like it's important 100%. Um, but like if people don't know about your stuff, like it just doesn't matter at the end of the day. It doesn't just matter. does not matter. Like you need to yeah. like get your product in front of people and as many people as like humanly possible at the end of the day, like if you want to scale it. Yeah. So yeah, that's so true. Yeah. You have, you can have the best product ever, but if nobody sees it, it doesn't freaking yeah. matter, you know? And you see it a lot in the online educational space too. The bigger people get, and I've heard this from just a lot of entrepreneurs that I work with stuff that I've bought in all of my times, you know, trying to do this online business thing the bigger they get, like the worse their content and less helpful their content is, like the more surface and fluffy it is. But they have the visibility, so it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. Right. Like you don't have to be great when you have the visibility. Not that you should go out and, you know, sell a subpar product, but don't waste all of your time trying to perfect something that nobody can see. But we cannot build. Yes, I know. I love that I get to work from home in my pajamas. From the neck up right now, I look like I got dressed, but I'm wearing boxers right now, you know? Um, <laughs> That's what I really want to be wearing. I was like, today I was like, I put on yeah. pants and I was like, what I really want to wear is my Lululemon joggers right now because they're my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like so unnecessary, yeah. right? To get dressed. I love this, but we cannot build online businesses behind our yeah. computers. Like it just doesn't work. And in the beginning, sure, that's fine. But the thing that has built this business is because someone told someone, yeah. because I met other people who introduced me to more people, like that is just how that works. And so if you can get together with collaborate and collaboration doesn't have to mean creating mm -hmm. new products like Larissa, I know you've been doing a lot of cool collaborations. So fun to watch. And sometimes I'm like, this was too much, to be honest. Like, I'm like, I mean, like next right. year we're actually doing way less collaborations because like, less. I, it's like yeah. you got to manage another partner then too. Like they're important and it doesn't yeah. expand reach. Um, but sometimes they're a total flop too. So it's like, tr like we're kind of balancing it. That was like my reflection was I was like, it is important, but it's not the end all be all. It's just like another uh, prong that, you know, sometimes we'll do, but yeah, less is more 100%. in that category. Yeah. There's a lot of work. Yeah. And sometimes that collaboration just looks like shouting each other yeah. out in each other's emails or doing like a live when especially if you're just getting started doing a live shopping event with people. Like there is a reason why video is still a thing. There is a reason why the home shopping network so still true. exists. Like people freaking yeah. love that stuff, you know? 
So if you can get together, especially if it's around a specific holiday, get together with some other product biz friends and just do a joint live where you show people what you sell. Everyone's inviting their audience. Like there's so many ways to leverage other people's audiences. That is the fastest way to growth in the beginning. Yeah. It ain't waiting to go viral. <laughs> That's for sure. So true. So true. <laughs> um, Okay. What is next for you? I'm just so curious. Like what's, uh, what do you got cooking for 2024? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, so many things because I, it's really easy to do for other people and not so easy to do for yourself. Like, have you ever I do. experienced I that? I do it all the time. Yes. <laughs> So when I'm working with someone, coaching, teaching, whatever, I'm like, focus in on this one thing, right? And then for myself, I'm like, ooh, I want to do this and I can do this and I can do that. I think ultimately I'm really good at starting things, not great at finishing them personally. Plus one. So that. that is Plus a work two. in progress. I was like, I think it was, it was yeah. um, Sue, my friend Sue, who's like uh, my EOS coach. And she was just like, you know, a visionary will get so much shit started, but it will only be like, it'll be so shallow. It'll be like six inches deep. Like you need other people to like follow that through. <laughs> I heard one other entrepreneur. I was like, I mean, because it's interesting because like so many other people that I noticed on my team, they're like, oh my God, I like, I would need to know everything before I started anything. And I'm like, I don't need to know anything to start something, but it's only going to go so shallow. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, I'm good. I did it. Yeah. You know? So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even, you know, up until now, and obviously we're recording this like right in Black Friday time, but I... <laughs> I had multiple digital products that were either complete or 80% of the way there, but like nobody could buy them from me because I didn't bother to like set the checkout up for it. I mean, really? What I ended up doing is like I'm doing this deal, this week long deal actually after Black Friday, because I want you guys to focus on your own product based business. I put it out there and I was like, well, all right, got to get it set it up because I already told people it was coming, but like it wasn't even done yet. Um, sometimes you just got to put that kind of <laughs> pressure yourself. on yourself. I work really well Same. under pressure. Yeah. Just speak it out to the world and then you have to show up for it. I don't know where this first came from, but the saying that like it will take you as long as you give yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That rings super mm -hmm. true. I was always like, even in college, and I don't really like count high school and stuff because I didn't really go all that much. Um, but I did, and I loved college. I would, I would go back to college. I loved it so much. But we would have, you know, the semester to work on something. And I was the one finishing it up in three days before it was due, but then getting a really good grade on it. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. I would really love to break that, but I don't know. Maybe that's just the way I came. It's the way I'm built. I, I, I mean, I always am like, I think it's like we always tell ourselves like, I wish I could break that. But then I've been like, you know, through a coach or whatever. I'm like, what if I just like lean into that? That like, that's my superpower, you know, is like, I need like this certain part yeah. of the time of like ideation and kind of like tossing stuff over. But then when I'm like, oh, well, it's go time, you know, like. I thrive in the yeah. pressure cooker a little bit, you know, the pressure cooker comes at a cost, Same. but man, I can will a lot of shit into the universe really quickly. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it comes at a cost, but then you, yeah. that's where you have yeah. to have the like rest that. recharge, you know, it's like for us, it's like, it's like the high highs and the low lows, you know, 100%. Just going through that. Yeah, totally. That's even too, I don't remember. I think this was when we were working together. Larissa, maybe we were just having a random conversation. You kind of asked me like, you know, what does your typical week look like? And I was like, I don't have one. I really don't. Like, I don't want that kind of yeah. structure. And, you know, there are some days it's Wednesday afternoon. Like I get off a call with my membership and I'm like literally playing PlayStation 4 <laughs> because that's all my brain can do. And then I will go at seven, eight o'clock after dinner and go do more work because that's when my brain is like just ready to go. And so 
I just, I mean, it's so far, knock on wood, been pretty much working out and I'm just going to keep doing it and it just is what it is. It's so much easier to just lean into the thing versus trying to fight it. Yeah. Right. And change it. Yeah. Right. It's so true. All right. Well, Jess, yeah. how are the people going to find you? So I am in e-commerce badassery in all of the places. If you have a physical product-based business and you sell on your own website, let's hang out. I have a podcast, a membership. And if you go to ecommercebadassery.com forward slash okay, O-K-A-Y, I have a special <sighs> gift there for you, but I'm not going to tell you what it is because I'm a marketer and I need to leave a little mystery. Oh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> job well done. This is, yes. you succeeded wow. in that. <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Like, we also don't know people. I'm not joking. This is not some smoke and mirrors thing. Andrew and I both are like, wait, what? <laughs> There's something. So I love that's this. amazing. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Well, Jess, thank you so much for being on the World's Okayest Entrepreneur Podcast. Um, your story was such a delight, and I loved it. There were so many twists and turns I didn't know. So, yeah, I'm glad you exist out there for all of us okay entrepreneurs and that you're part of our okay entrepreneur community. So, thank yeah. you so much. Thank you guys so much for having me. I Thanks for letting me share all those crazy stories. If you honestly like like today's episodes, found it super informational, please share it with a friend. That is the best way for our podcast to grow. Please do go find us on Instagram at the World's OKS Pod. We're also available. Um, that's actually it. That's the only place we're really extra available at the moment. But yes, the best thing for you to do is to share our podcast and give it five stars. The end. The end. Have an okay week. <laughs>